listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. And uh, yeah, good to be uh, good to be recording yet another edition of The Cooler Ring with you. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to today's top. Well, today's topic is looking forward. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, look, um, uh, this is one of those great times when we can say, okay, we're going to uh, try to in some way predict the future. And in so doing, uh, understand that we'll probably be horribly wrong and give uh, people something to make fun of us for later. But also hoping that there's at least a nugget or two of good advice in here. Yeah. That people might extract something from. Yeah, I'm just uh, I, I, we so so I guess folks what we're what we're chatting about today is just kind of a, kind of I know we're it's still summertime, you know, and it's at that we're in this kind of uh, mid-year point or a little bit uh, uh beyond that. And uh we have a lot of uh certainly the pandemic is uh i mean i don't want to get political or, or or suggest that it's completely gone away or whatever but look we're, we're moving into at least another phase of what that is and what it means and its impact on the economy and how we how we deal and what that means for for, for work or you know for for workforce and um what it means for employment etc likely as yet to be defined hmm. And, and, and this is happening at the same time as we hear an awful lot of rumblings about recession, many saying we're already in one, uh, and I guess... Inflationary pressures. Inflationary pressures, for sure, and uh, all these things intertwined, of course. Um, so it's just an interesting point to try to make some predictions about what's next and what we might be seeing and kind of how that impacts the world of manufacturing marketing, if you will. As we're, you know, potentially entering a recession, what are the, you know, what are the jobs to be done? Because, we're, you know, we're seeing jobs figures out of the U.S. and Canada that tell a bit of a different story, um, each side, which is untraditional. Normally, we are kind of a mirror or slightly lagging what's happening in the U.S., mm. but... Uh, you know, when you talk a little bit about kind of what we've seen there and, and maybe what it means for marketing teams within manufacturers. Well, I, yeah, I guess where I, in that specific thing, as we talk about kind of the jobs numbers and whatnot, of course, the jobs numbers for July in the U.S. were uh, uh, defied all expectations and surprised everyone. In Canada, it was kind of almost what they were expecting in the U.S., which was pretty lackluster. Hard to know about those two mixed signals. Clearly, the U.S. economy is... Uh, uh, a monster by comparison to the Canadian one. So it's a more significant uh, uh, tale of the tape, as it were. Um, I, I guess what I'm curious, what I think that, that does is like, it, 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 we can have let, leave it to others to debate if we're in a recession or not, but it does seem like if we are heading into a recession, it's going to be a recession that has essentially full employment, which is really kind of wonky and not how we tend to think about recessions. Um, you know, you tend to think about recessions, you tend to think about everybody losing jobs and having yeah, to... Massive layoffs. Right. And um, and not to say that that's not going to happen, but 
uh, there was an awful lot of uh, strong. Um, it was the job openings, job vacancies are are massive uh, yeah. across the board and in almost every category. So, um, uh, I guess for manufacturing marketers, I think coming into the pandemic. We heard an awful lot about people building out their internal marketing teams, growing their internal marketing teams, expanding their internal marketing teams. Adding a lot of different types of resources to marketing teams, everything from web dev to branding specialists mm. directly in their PR, video, you know, the teams are getting really robust. Yeah, and st standing up essentially uh, internal agencies for the most part. The, I, I, I think that... I guess so prediction number one is that the labor market and the, the demand for talent is going to change that calculus for some. Like, I, I think there's an awful lot of, of organizations more in that kind of mid-market manufacturers who maybe had their eye on standing up an internal team of, you know, six, 10, 15 people. Uh, and they're, like I said, that's more mid-market. That's obviously, we're not talking about the billion-dollar-plus organizations there. Um, and they're going to see a, a, that that's going to just not be a particularly plausible scenario. Like, frankly, they're just not going to be able to find enough uh, a talent to, to build that out in the, in the way that they would hope. And that talent's going to be hard to, hard to retain as well inside of those organizations. So I think you're going to see uh, some manufacturers uh, look at their balance of of how they get stuff done, uh, and maybe their um, their their north star for where they're going in that regard may change a little bit. Yeah, I I, th I think you're right. I also think that they're you know the hiring of that talent, like you mentioned, is going to get more difficult. It's going to be harder to retain them, and there's significant upward pressure on salaries. In, in this area as well. I mean, we, we see it, you know, as we're helping our clients build teams, we see it as we're hiring people. Um, you know, the, the salary expectations are are significantly different than they were even two years ago. Yeah, and you see that people um, uh, listening, they know that their organizations are seeing that in every aspect. I mean, it, it, this isn't just something that's exclusive to marketing and sales orgs. It's, it's absolutely across the board. I think what's a bit different, though, and, and maybe I'm just thinking too much about our industry a little too closely, but, you know, the types of people who could go into these roles have a number of options, you know, that unlike, say, you know, an electrical engineer who works on a certain type of thing, you know, who are looking at similar kinds of manufacturers, Marketers have the option of going agency side, which to some can be very exciting. Um, the opportunity to work with lots of different clients, you know, all of that kind of thing. They have the option to freelance. They have the option to go internally, you know, with a manufacturer or any other type of organization. Um, and I, I think those options mean that they're going to be thinking more and more about what they want out of a career path and, and how long they intend to stay in any one place. Because I think in a lot of cases, what we're seeing is people who are only sticking around a couple of years. Yeah, you're, you're right. Although I don't, you know, I just, I don't think that that's exclusive to marketing. I, I, I think that, you know, a lot of engineering titles where you have the same dynamic at play. There's a lot of different options, a lot of different categories they could play in and the salary pressures going north as a result. And, and uh, 
you know, I, a lot of uh, folks smarter than us uh, have uh, written articles about what's going, what's what's next in the Great Resignation, etc. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, the, I think from a, a marketing listeners, I think the one takeaway there uh, overall is just how you think about the composition of your team and how you imagine getting the work done. If it hasn't changed since pre-pandemic, I would be shocked. And it's going to have to, and it's probably going to have to depend on at least a slightly more networked approach versus entirely rolling your own. Mm. Do you think, and I mean, I don't want this to sound self-serving at all, (laughs) but do you think that this means a bigger reliance on agencies? Yeah, I mean, that's the ob- uh, one obvious uh, uh, takeaway there. But, um, uh, you know, obviously, I-, I-, I think it could go a lot of different ways. It could be also more reliance on on technology and platforms, um, uh, potentially to scale efforts. Uh, yeah, it could-, could go a lot of different places. It could go even a more more reliance on the freelance talent that you mentioned, as an example. Yeah. I certainly know a good network of freelancers who are more than booked, you know, with, with a lot of their clients and uh, are doing quite a lot of work remotely with larger mm. organizations. But yeah, it's, it is interesting to think about kind of what sort of mix you have between outside individuals mm. like freelancers, outside agencies, where you look for help um, and what you still try and do internally. All right. Well, you know, changing gears a little bit, um, I'm going to almost say maybe this is one area that hasn't changed since before the pandemic or since the start of the pandemic. Because one thing that I remember hearing um, a couple of years back, you know, lockdowns are everywhere, et cetera. It was a strong, strong um, sentiment towards focus on your existing customers, kind of you know, if you're going to ride this out, you've got to focus on on, on your, your you know, the the ones that brought you to the dance, right? Dance with the ones that brought mm-hmm. you. Um, and that's often the advice that you hear of organizations uh, organizations get in a as as the recession's looming, right? The notion of finding net new customers might get harder. You got to uh, run what you brung a bit. Uh, so I think in in some weird way. Um, a greater emphasis, a greater marketing emphasis on your existing customers is something that we marketers were facing two years ago. And I think the current economic environment doubles that message down today. I mean, this is an area where there are a lot of marketers that don't have a ton of insight, you know, into their existing accounts or once things come in the door, they may not know who they are. They don't necessarily know who's working, what customers, what percentage they are of overall revenue, all of those kinds of things. So what sorts of, like, how do, how do marketers today look for those opportunities to help the existing accounts to grow? Yeah, well, I mean, a couple of, from a very tactical perspective, I mean, certainly cross-sell, upsell initiatives, those are the purviews of, that's, that's that's the job of sales traditionally. Oh yeah, and very sure. often marketing doesn't even have a visibility into what's happening there. Um, 
that's a, the lowest hanging of low hanging fruit is for marketing just to get involved in those initiatives. How do we, how do we provide a level of marketing support to cross sell upsell initiatives, whether that's, um, creative messaging support or, or, or what have you. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of skill sets marketers can add to that, uh, to, to help, uh, increase uh, the extent to which a cross-seller upsell campaign would resonate with existing customers. Well, they don't even have to just look to the obvious places like sales for that. There could be customer service or actual service Mm. organizations, the technical service um, that could be an assist. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess moving a bit more upstream, I guess, if you will, is I think marketers can, um, begin to put and look there's been certainly uh, more of this lately uh in the last number of years certainly voice of customer initiatives etc have become quite popular um but they're not ubiquitous by any stretch of the imagination and i do think that that is one area where many manufacturing marketers could um uh, i guess shift focus and expand their influence within their organizations if they uh, through voice of customer initiative, customer mapping exercises, things of that sort. How do we look at that, um, uh, the, the fulsome nature of the customer journey and look for real ways to improve it on the on, on those points of the customer journey that happen after the buy? Um, you know, marketers are so traditionally uh, focused on those awareness phases, those early and early awareness and consideration phases. But there is a lot of parts of the customer journey beyond that that often uh, fall uh, below the gaze of, uh, of of the marketing organizations, and that's another opportunity I think for them to 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 contribute, frankly, and and add a lot of value. Are are you at all concerned about reticence of sales teams to uh, to allow marketing access to their uh, existing accounts in any way? I mean, that, that'll happen in some instances, but in just many more organizations, you'd have the sales organization wipes their hands of the customers too once they're closed one and it's the service org. So I think everybody has some different politics there, but you know, I think a determined marketer would be able to find their way through, especially a marketer that's determined on adding value, not determined, not determined to add fluff. Um, uh, because if there is an objection, be it from a sales team or somebody else, the only reason that that objection exists is because they don't think you're adding value. They think you're adding fluff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, look, I was a kid once. I like marshmallow fluff as much as the next guy, but that's the place for it. I, I only liked it in heavenly hash ice cream, but, um, solid ice cream. It should be noted. It was, it was good, but I, I do think there are opportunities to show value, you know, potentially more quickly with those organizations to get, um, to get the sales team to understand that what you're doing is actually having a net benefit. You know, like perhaps there's, you know, un, untested demand generation campaigns that could be released, you know, that have previously never been tried. You know, within those organizations or account-based initiatives or, or things like that, you know, that I think you're probably going to see a lot more people doubling down on some of those other technologies to, uh, to begin to target those accounts too. Eh? I, I think, 
anytime you begin to elevate the focus on your existing uh, customers, um, it opens up a, a, a lot of kind of different opportunities. And I think for marketers, some muscles that they're not used to flexing. So I would tend to, I mean, yeah, I think some of those more account based kind of technologies, even like I kept thinking of like email signature type of a, a technology that operates at the account level. You know, that, that stuff could be very powerful in terms of fueling a customer service driven account expansion initiative, like those little pieces of technology. But I think you could go like quite a bit lower tech than that. I think there are an awful lot of B2B manufacturers that have a, an onboarding process, for example, for new customers that is extensive. You know, it, it takes a while to you know, bring a new customer on board, have the uh, maybe your equipment synchronized with theirs or, or whatever. Like there's often lots of kind of things that need to happen before that business relationship really starts uh, churning in a, a predictable, consistent and seamless way. Um, and in, in those organizations, that onboarding process may largely just be in somebody's head, or it, it may be a, you know, a, something that is communicated very administratively, if you will. But you know, often with you know, marketers can find ways to uh, introduce that information more in advance to show a level of discipline, even during the sales process that uh, kind of signals to a prospect that this is the, the quality of after sale care that you're going to, that you're going to get. Like they're, they're often able to elevate it. Even things like onboarding guides or what have you that are delivered to um, uh, customers once they sign on the line that is dotted. Those types of things can drive real serious impact and value to um, a sales or, or onboarding or customer service team, right? And there- Yeah, it brings a lot of confidence. Yeah, and they're fairly low tech. Like, but 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 in almost every uh, in almost every organization, that type of information typically isn't really infused with any kind of brand personality or um, positioning or thinking towards that type of stuff. Like, you know what I mean? There's, it's a it's a it's a serious touch point with a new customer, and it's very. It is, it's so often just not managed really at all from it's a, administrative. Yeah, it's not it's not managed through the lens of we're actually trying to create a positive impression and perception of our brand at this time too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even though we already got you, yeah, we're we're, we're going to keep pushing, right? But if almost a, a create, if you look at that buyer's journey, and of course you have to think of it as somewhat linear, uh, going from kind of completely unaware to being a uh, an advocate uh, for for your brand and all those phases that happen in between. Um, if you thought about that, the, the as almost like you know you're lifting it up with both arms, like this customer journey is being lifted up with both arms. Marketers flex a lot more on that one side, though, right? Their mm-hmm. their arm that holds up the post sale side of the equation is probably a lot weaker. Than the arm that holds up, yeah, probably so. But it's also probably not their fault. Oh no, it's I'm probably not saying never... it's their fault at all. Yeah, I'm more just saying like that's the opportunity, like yeah, a, 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 yeah. and an opportunity for marketers who may be seeing themselves 
at the early stages of recessionary pressure with an organization saying, well, if customers aren't buying right now, then why do we need, what, what are we doing? Like maybe we need to scale back our marketing expand, or maybe we need to, um, you know, and sometimes that can catch marketers flat footed. They don't, they don't have another kind of, what do I, what am I going to do if our demand gen program isn't, you know, isn't something I need to focus on. If they're telling me we need to scale back here, X, Y, or Z, what's, what do I say against that? Right. Mm, um, yeah. uh, and the answer often is, you know what, we need to serve our customers better and we can actually drive more net new revenue from existing customers if we do this right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the other thing too, I mean, you know, marketers always do this, you know, look to Apple as an example of what, of what to do for absolutely any instance, any company, any size, anywhere. Sorry, is that what you're going to do now? Be like, be more like Apple. No, but <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but I think there are some lessons in how Apple has tackled recessions in the past and not just discontinuing the development of new product and the introduction of new product, but continuing to push for things, knowing that, you know, this is temporary, you know, and to continue to create new things and to continue to keep your name out there and not, you know, he, he, Jobs always said, you know, it was their job to double down when others decided to retreat, you know, and I, I think it maybe it's a bit disingenuous to try and make yourself more like Apple, but I, I do think that there's some wisdom in continuing to push. Maybe you change the messaging a bit, but you probably should still be visible in the marketplace, still creating new things, releasing new products, continuing to market what you have. Oh, well, yeah, lots of uh, studies and, uh, that have shown that that's you know that is certainly not the time when you want to be pulling back, but rather you want to be doubling down on your awareness efforts, things of that sort. So that, you know, if anybody's looking for that type of research and information, it's a Google search away. There's so much of it. I guess I think the reality that most marketers faces in spite of that type of information being out there, they work in an organization. They work in the organization that says, yeah, your budget's froze. Uh, or they're the first one to have the budget cut even, right? Um, yeah. And so what I'm, I guess, in this instance, trying to suggest is that um, if, if, if you're faced with that, I think you could make equally compelling reasons as to why your budget ought to be enhanced and increased and do it through the lens of focusing on existing customers. And I think in this time that will find, uh, in the C-suite often more, uh, uh more purchase, uh, if you will, than, uh, uh, than more kind of, uh, experimental, uh, kind of lead jet initiatives or something like that right sure sure but okay so let's put on our uh our kind of crystal ball hats or what have you a little bit more here and say what do we see i think um one thing i think we'd be remiss of this focus on serving customers better um or just a, a recessionary pressure to focus on customers we're we're, we're already seeing uh, a level of kind of digital customer service delivery or digital service delivery, if you will, with a B2B mm -hmm. manufacturing. Um, and, and I think that kind of service design thinking, imagining the customer experience, not through just the products that they buy and how the organization interacts with 
um, uh, with them at the various levels, but also how that what the, the digital experience is uh, post-purchase is going to become more and more and more important. And, and I, I think I'm not just talking about like, oh, well, we're recording information in CRMs and serving up people recommendations that are AI driven or some darn thing. I, I, I'm talking about going much more beyond to imagining designing uh, a, the customer experience that largely unfolds in a digital, natively digital way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the organizations that apply service design type thinking to their digital experience platforms, whether that's their e-commerce or, or anything kind of related to purchasing, um, to research, to all of that, to order management, yeah. investing in accessibility initiatives to make sure that content and you know platforms are available and work well for people, no matter what their abilities are. Um, you know, th those are th those are places to invest and grow you know the, these are the things that you can make better that will have an, a legitimate impact on your bottom line throughout a recession you know making products easier to access ordering directly you know redirecting people to the appropriate distributors in their area whatever that is the digital platform can help create that connectivity for you yeah and i think we're you know we talked about the labor market pressures beforehand right so you know, we're not going to be able to solve uh, any kind of service problem by just throwing more people at it. Um, so I think that, that that in combination with uh, a bit of the generational change that's underway in the workforce and digital expectations that come along with that, um, well beyond the world of just e-commerce. I mean, you know, people are getting their driver's license by going online or, or what have you, like, uh, like in their day to day lives, they're, they're, they're being uh, served digitally, uh, while doing pretty complex things. And they're going to start to expect that uh, in their work as well, more than they see it today. Yeah. Yeah. And having digital platforms are not the kind of thing that you can just turn on and off. They're built over time especially with small teams, mm. they take significant effort and buy-in from all levels of a manufacturing organization. It's funny, we, I, I don't know, we've seen some of, I, I feel like most of the people that have invested somewhat heavily in this area, the main thing that drives it is they feel like that is that it's going to add a level of uh, service revenue, potentially, uh, you know, like they're doing an app that, you know, helps monitor uptime or Blah, 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 right so that those types of solutions um they're doing it through the lens of that might be the kind of net new incremental revenue or they see it as a bit of glue that their competitors don't have that would help keep somebody there which i guess that's kind of like doing it for the good of just customer service but uh, i i think it's a more of a commitment to it is needed like where i'm going to invest in this regularly I'm going to um, not just build it and deploy it, but I'm actually going to be a little bit more iterating it. Yeah, I'm going to realize that there's that act of doing that is really setting up the, something that's going to help me learn more about what customers want, not something that's just going to serve what they need right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think you know it, it's not that's not necessarily the same thing for all people either. You know, for some that might be creating your own e-commerce 
experience and, and making sure that you have, you know, the best product library and the easiest way to buy things from whatever source where it's available. Like thinking of, you know, the episode we did with Cynthia Callum at TE a couple of years ago about their product data initiatives. But then I'm also thinking of the recent episode we recorded with uh, Jackie Lutz from uh, Sensata, you know, and they decided to go the Amazon route and, you know, kind of use that as the digital touchstone because that's where their buyers were you know so i I think there's there's very different ways that you can kind of tackle the creation and management of digital services for your customers interact yeah and both those examples are kind of on that buy side right or on the but you know I, i think there's probably the sexier and in some ways more obscure interesting uh and differentiating options come when you look at What's the ongoing relationship that I have with this customer? What are what are all of those uh, what are all those touches that we have? How many times does a salesperson visit? All those things, and then how do I digitally enable some of this service, and in and in and in the process enhance what we're doing? I mean, um, I, I think that's where the I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of juice to squeeze there. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Certainly, as uh, as different a muscle <laughs> as any for a lot of organizations. So, I, I guess kind of uh, three things that we kind of cover: this notion of uh, the 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 one hundred percent focus on rolling your own and, and building your own uh, department. That that that's going to have some increased pressure as a strategy uh, in the in the coming months and uh, and year. Um, and, and then, uh, you know. If uh, the economic naysayers are uh, accurate, then this focus on serving customers and really exploring more of that, what happens after the buy, I think that that's um, that's something that we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more of. Uh, we're gonna see a lot more voice of customer uh, initiatives, uh, customer mapping engagements, things of that sort, where people are really looking to better understand that experience and find ways to build it better. And then, I guess, lastly, building it better via uh, a digital means, I think, uh, is uh, in, in some ways a bit of the next uh, surprise we're going to see in manufacturing marketing. Yeah, great advice. Thanks a lot. Or it could be terrible. Because <laughs> we're looking into the future, so we can't know. Well, then we should be recording another episode mid Q3 2023 and revisit these and see if we were right. Yeah, but then that takes away all of the benefit of, of being someone who just simply looks ahead. Because then, like, you know, we, but why not? Why, why put all that pressure back on us, Jeff? <laughs> we will have no KPIs assigned. Thank you. Very <laughs> exactly. Much. Well, folks, I I, uh, I hope folks enjoyed the show. It's been a, I think it's been great to kick this around and kind of um, uh, imagine uh, the world for for manufacturing marketers as these kind of uh, pressures come to bear in twenty twenty two. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.